We're back, and this week, uh, back to basics. <laughs> For some in a while, that we don't have a guest, uh, um, and this week we are Gene Therapy. Quentin, how are you doing tonight? I'm pretty good. I have no clue what Gene Therapy means, so if you would like to enlighten me on that one, well, please. Gene Therapy itself is like a concept of uh, of like treating people through like their genetic material. Basically, it's like uh, an actual cellular like curing and, and treating diseases with with uh, gene-based psych- like, ah, I guess different um, pharmaceuticals, medications and stuff, right? The reason why it's our name is because, I, I guess you didn't know, Yoda Suji's new nickname is Gene Blast. Huh. Um, so yeah, so this is the gene therapy. Um, the therapy that I think New Japan needed, and we'll talk about that when we review Dominion later, because I think uh, he's a breath of fresh air and, and honestly a good sign of things to come, especially with the G1 brackets announced um, and all that otherwise. But I think we'll uh, we'll get through Dominion and talk about maybe talk about G1 stuff when it comes up on the show um, and talk about all of that as we go through. Otherwise, um, you know, not <laughs> not a ton. Um Obviously, AEW business is what everyone's talking about constantly. Um, everyone's just losing their mind about <laughs> what's going on with, with ticket sales and this and that. Um, I guess the interesting topic, and it does kind of coincide with New Japan in a way, is the like the champion. And I did, you know, I'm aping this a little bit from someone else that I saw who pointed this out, but it is true. That it does feel like there is a uh, there's a, a segment of of you know the people who critique and the people who talk about wrestling who are more than willing to lay the blame at Sonata as an unproven champion and an unproven top star for soft ticket sales for New Japan who aren't looking at the same thing with an MJF um, and saying okay like the the paradigm right now is AEW can sell the shit out of special event tickets can sell the shit out of tickets in Wembley, which is a brand new market, so of course. But the day-to-day, week-to-week TV is not moving numbers. Um, and it does say, okay, well, is that because you don't have a champion who's considered a top draw and a top star? And people people are more than, like I said, more than willing to say Sonata is not drawing tickets because he's the main event and he's the champion. But, you know, what about MJF? What, where's the where's the pointing to that saying, why is MJF not, not drawing the same when it comes to you know the business model is obviously different but it it is very similar there um i don't know if you have any thoughts about that i mean not a ton but i guess it kind of goes back to the points we were making when we had trevor damon to review uh double or nothing is when i asked about this mjf title run and like what are some of the problems with it and why doesn't this feel like a bigger deal uh 
or why doesn't this come across as bigger or more important as it should because this is a moment they've been building to an AEW for a long time now. This is a guy that's been there since day one, has been involved with pretty much every top star there is from Cody to Jericho to Punk, whoever. Like He's been involved with everybody. So this is a big moment they've been building towards since the company's inception and it's just not taking. And that was kind of what we were talking about with the Double or Nothing podcast about why is that the case. So I think if anything, you're right for sure that if people are going to be doing this with Sonata, then they absolutely have to be doing it with MJF. But yeah, this is still a thing that I'm not really sure I have a grasp on. Totally sure I understand. Um, Not that I think that the tickets should be selling any hotter because I understand why they're why they're not is just a very interesting thing because you would think that they had figured this out and done whatever. But I think if we are doing the, it's not just MJF thing, then you point to how divided and I don't, I don't know confused that the fan base might've gotten in the aftermath of brawl out and CM Punk's departure and stuff like that, and not knowing exactly how to feel about the company, and a lot of the news and rumors and stuff like that, kind of overtaking the product for a lot of for a lot of, for a lot of people, and maybe that could play a part a part in things. But at the end of the day, like the guy that became the champion, just it just hasn't been a good run, and the fact that MJF. Gets a little bit, gets more leeway than Sonata here. Probably does get into a little, a little bit of a, a little, a little bit of um. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out the exact word for it, but at 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 best, it's some favoritism towards MJF. And sure. At worst, it's other things. Like yes. So at best, I'm gonna leave it towards. MJF being a favorite and uh, a beloved figure to certain sections of the American wrestling audience and Western wrestling audience that consume this stuff. But at worst, there is some racism and possible xenophobia that goes on here as well, which could be what you think it is, but maybe I'm, I'm trying to lean away from that for right now. But I think at best, it's favoritism. I, I think it's favoritism. I think it could be a little bit of, and you know, whatever. Like it, it could be a little bit of a uh, of f- familiarity, if you will, um, because you know you listen to the people who who have their issues with MJF, and then you listen to the people who who kind of back MJF more and more. And you know, I'm not saying anything for sure. I'm just saying like MJF, he tries to play like he's completely silent behind the scenes, but uh, you know, he likes to keep that up, but I don't necessarily know how true that really is. Um, you know what I mean? I, I, I just think that some people maybe are clouded a little bit by that. That tends to happen a lot in wrestling journalism, you know, for what it is, unfortunately. And I think it is also, it's that sunk cost. It's that bought in. It's that refusing to admit anything. And I think a lot of people hitch their wagon to this idea that MJF is going to be, you know, an all time great 
generational talent as he's taken to referring to himself. Um, and they've also some, a lot of the same people have vocally said that they don't believe in Sonata. They don't like Sonata and don't think he shows any personality. So it's a lot easier to go, well, I was right about Sonata and not say, well, I was wrong about MJF. You, you get what I'm saying? Um, oh, yeah, just, for sure. Yeah, it's like, uh, I'm sorry to cut you off. It's kind of like NBA scouting oh. or something like that to me when it's like when you hit your wagon to a prospect and you're really, really holding on to that belief that, no, this is theirs, theirs, theirs. I really see it. And they're going to be like a uh, multiple time all NBA guy. They can be this, they can be that. And there are people that really hush their wagon to certain prospects. And then there's ones where they just don't see it. And they're adamant on not believing in this person and not believing in the numbers, believing in whatever, because of whatever. It's not exactly like at like I don't know, it's apples to apples here, but for sure there's we believe in MJF. We've believed in MJF since 2017. We've believed in him since he was 20 years old, and we decided, oh yeah, this is gonna be the guy that's gonna be the face of a national wrestling company in however many years. He has it, and he's gonna be super successful. Versus people have been divided on Sonata. If we don't even want to go back to like all Japan and TNA TNA days, even since he came, even, even since he came to new Japan, it's been a completely divided opinion on Sonata that we're just as we're, we're there. Like we're there. We've been the same way here. We've yeah, that's trusted Sonata <laughs> multiple times yeah. on the podcast. So it's not like we're just like not part of it, but at the same time, like if we're doing the numbers thing or people that care about, numbers and ticket sales and metrics and ratings and things like that if we're all going to do the numbers game then like the numbers game applies equally to everybody yeah and i will say that i've probably softened on sonata a bit and i i like where this thing is going that said i mean i did tweet it out and i do believe that they should have pulled the trigger on yodasuji here um but that said i don't think that Sonata is a bad choice. I don't think he's a guy not to go with. I think the new look and the new group will work. I do. I have some issues with the with the creative and the situation, but we'll talk about that a little bit more as we move into it. But yeah, I just I think that's it. I think it's it's funny because, you know, I think that a lot of MJF boosters are also the kind of people who love to decry, you know, the 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 um, the the I guess what do they call it? Like the. I'm just like trying to think of how to say it, but like the, the two different sides or whatever, the factionalism as people like to say it, right. Um, of being like, you know, I'm on one side and I'm digging my heels and I refuse. A lot of them are the same kind of people who like that. MJF talks about how social media is trash and this and that, but it's like, we talked about it. MJF is an online boy. He's a very, very online boy. Um, but he loves to talk shit about it. And I think that he speaks to that segment of the fan base in a lot of ways, people who are the same way, people who are online just as much, but, uh, but like to talk about how terrible online is. I always, I find that so fucking just grating. I mean, there's a ton of stuff. This is not the point. This is not the podcast. We don't do this here really where we complain about social media, right? That's not our thing. But my thing is more like the people who complain about social media too much. I find that very annoying. And the people who act like, like blocking someone or whatever is like some big, like strike to them. Because you know that those people have like this holier than now complex where they're also acting as if being blocked by them on Twitter means something. And it's like, okay, well, if you think that 
Twitter is so stupid and pointless. Why do you act like being blocked on there matters? You know, it's just, it's just that's kind of like a, I guess the psyche of that. And I just feel like MDev speaks to those people. So maybe he is the perfect, you know, wrestler for our time, the perfect avatar for our time, because there's so many people who that's the way they look at it. I mean, tell me MJF and SRS aren't the same guy, basically, when it comes to that, just how butthurt they get, how much they fucking name search, how much they're constantly trying to dig in on people, how much... They don't want to hear any negative complaints about them, but do want to go after anybody who has anything to say about them. You know, it's like, okay, you know, this is an archetype of a kind of person who definitely exists. Um, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I mean, I guess before AEW talk is over, um, I guess there's a couple of announcements. There's Brian Okada is happening at Forbidden Door, and yeah. uh, Spray Omega is confirmed. So. Yeah. The top two there is great, amazing. Like you know, pretty much like exactly what you would what you would have wanted here, and I think that's going to wind up both be, like being extremely successful uh, already. So I'm yeah. excited for the I'm excited for those. I do want to see the rest of what they do. I want to see Aussie Open get a tag title match. Um, hopefully, like, again, hopefully. We'll get some. We'll get something like that, or just a big FTR match because I think that'll be really good for I, this show. But I don't know. Like, I think that's it. I think that it's going to be Aussie Open, FTR, and Bishamon coming out of this. I think, and I think it's kind mm. of interesting because on the last Forbidden Door, it was a three-way tag team match like that. Um, but I just think I think that the commentary on Don Taco mentioned it that FTR say they have business still and and. New Japan, and I think that that does speak to them wanting another match with Bishamon, but I do also think that they want to do the uh, the the FTR and, and um, uh, Aussie Open match again as well. So I could definitely see that. I think I think Moxley, here's the thing. I think people are talking about what's you know Moxley going to do and expecting a big singles match. I honestly think that they've been working a lot with this Moxley trios thing, yeah. um, especially against Okada, Ishii, and Tanahashi. I think that we we get another trio. I think that we're going to get what I've dubbed the uh, the Switchblade Sunspiracy. Moxley, Shooter, and Yuta. Um, shoots and Utes. Um, mm, and sure. they go up against some chaos team. Ishii, you know, obviously Okada is is busy, but you do like an Ishii Tanahashi and somebody else in there. Um, and I think this is what we get, something playing off of that. Um, because it feels like that storyline with, with Blackpool Combat Club wanting the tr- to win the trio's titles from chaos is not over yet. Um, and I just think that we do something like that where you show, oh, once Moxley has, because they've been switching the his partners, right? So once Moxley yeah. has the right team, that's where he's going to get the win and probably do something crazy like have Shooter pin Tanahashi or Ishii to then right. say, okay, now he deserves a trios title match. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And we talked about like what would MJF do here? Who knows? But like, but but I'm, I'm at least really into the top two. Um, yeah. If you don't mind jumping off of the MJF thing, I did have a thought about that. And this is maybe just speaks to what we were talking about, about being a little bit negative on him. Um, I think it's not crazy to say MJF skips this show. Because, I, agree. Yeah, I agree. Because it's not going to do him any favors to get outshined by either of the top two matches. He doesn't really have a dream opponent on the New Japan side for someone to wrestle. And it's like people are thinking, oh, they're going to do the Cole match at Forbidden Door. And I just... I mean, why would you do that? Why would you do that at Forbidden Door? That to me, the Cole MJF match screams that that's going to be the all-in 
match, honestly. As much as that's kind of a disappointment, I think, for a lot of people, I think that that's a, that's a, a solid match to do on the big show for Wembley, honestly. I mean, the the UK crowd loved Cole the few times that he can't, went over there. They haven't ever gotten to see MJF, and I'm sure that it, it would be a big deal for them. you know. So I do think that that's where we end up. And they just popped a number on TV. So there is that argument that there it's it's there's something to this that people want to see. No, I'm I'm with you there. It, it wouldn't make any sense from an AEW standpoint to like do a big match for that fan base on Forbidden Door that already has Osprey Okada, I mean Osprey Omega and Brian Okada. Like that's two legit mega yeah. matches that might have been able to sell out Forbidden Door by themselves. Like yeah. That are on the same. You are. You don't need to burn a, a big MJF match for that. That wouldn't make sense. That wouldn't make any sense at all. So, I'm. I think we talked about it when Trevor was on with us. That I fully, I fully support that idea. If MJF isn't on the show, if you have him like in a backstage segment or even do commentary for something or anything like that, like if you want to have him as a presence on the show in some in some type of way, then for sure. But I don't think it's necessary to force him on here now. I wonder. I wonder if Jay White's on the show because they've been having, they've been doing this, this this Ricky Starks versus Bullet Club Gold thing, and yeah, I do wonder just how that with how things went and how things ended. If there is, we could see Jay White and Juice on the show. I think that'd be interesting. But if Jay White's on the show, like that would be something I would, I'd be interested in. Yeah, there is a lot of interesting pieces moving around and stuff like that. And then you do think like, okay, what about a Sonata? Do we get an IWGP title match on the show or not? With especially with with if with the idea that Moxley's not there, do you also do New Japan's champions not there? And then yeah, the crossover because with the that's that is something to talk about with this show with the big two singles matches that we have announced now. One of which is a title match and probably could main event. And I think if you really want to make the argument, probably should main event. If we're being perfectly honest. Um, do you need another big title match? And do you see even a lot of other big singles matches? Or do is the rest of the card filled out with primarily multi-mans? And I think that I would not be surprised. I would be, I think it would be an absolute shame if we don't get something with Orange Cassidy, right? Defending his title against someone. And the Zack Sabre Jr. match to me feels like the match. He already teased it at the press conference, but it feels oh, Zach like and Orange Cassidy, that's really good. That yeah, is. that absolutely has to happen, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and that's a thing. I mean, people don't realize because people are like kind of talking about that. And then also like the idea of Orange and Wembley in the UK, like people don't really maybe don't remember or they do, but or they don't know the history. But Fire Ant was incredibly over the times that he went to the UK. And Zack Sabre Jr. was familiar with Fire Ant from that time because he was on shows that Zack was involved with as well. They never actually interacted um, in the UK, but they were around each other. Right. So that's not like an out of nowhere match. It's funny because people are like, oh, kind of, I did kind of hear like a, that's a kind of an out of a nowhere match or matchup or whatever, but it's really not. There is something to that that definitely screams like it could be pretty decent. Yeah, and, and, and like, it's not out of nowhere because like if they just, their paths didn't get a chance to cross while Orange was going through his career research, his career renaissance and Zach was having his peak years on the indies. Like by that, by the, by that point in time, like, Beyond never booked it. It never got a chance yeah. to get booked anywhere. Like I'm sure that like even if we're going like going back to like Beyond stuff, like Zach has definitely been very aware of Orange Cassidy for however long now. It just never got booked for some reason, which is kind of weird because like that 
matches you think about it on paper it's like wait how was no one ever booked yeah. this before like why was this not a thing that got booked before Zach was full-time in Japan that's kind of like how does how did that not happen <laughs> well and it is the perfect match because when you know we talk about the saber kind of aping a lot of stuff from you know crybaby breaks in a lot of ways and has his entire career and then you think about Orange Cassidy I mean Orange Cassidy is really straight out of world class or ah, what am I, world of sport like yeah. he the Orange Cassidy character fits right in in World of Sports. So if you think about like an Orange Cassidy type character wrestling like a Jim Breaks, it's perfect. Exactly. Yeah. The this fits like, that he can throw. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. This. Yeah. This like writes itself. Yeah. I'm all in. If that's if like if that if that's booked and all for Door, then like that's my favorite match on the show. Like I yeah, love right. that match. <laughs> yeah. Easily. But yeah, I do think I think I do think we end up not getting as many more big singles matches. So I think that that's also a part of it. And I talked about you know the three way. Tag team title match and blah blah blah. So I think we talked it to death here, but um, it will be interesting to see. I think there's going to be a lot there. There's probably a ton more that I could continue talking about. But if you have any other you know thoughts on that before we move on, feel free. Uh, no, I'm good. I know you mentioned wanting to talk about the DPW show, and to be honest, like I oh, yeah. didn't get the chance to get through all of it. I saw um, I saw a couple of I saw a couple of matches, but I wasn't able to get through all of this and you wanted to talk about the dbw show so if you have anything that you want to say about oh. that yeah i was gonna actually just see how we were looking after the dominion review and talk about it um and basically just get into dominion here or you know mention gcw i know you didn't watch any of it but just shout it out for people maybe because um they ran tournament of survival which is always one of their better shows and they did a cage of survival show the next night and i guess it's cage of survival too i wasn't sure because i kind of i was like i don't remember i didn't look it up obviously because it's gcw and they deserve absolutely zero of my time when it comes to research um but i was like was cage of survival like the uh their their, their war games and i was trying to remember um and i did not uh like i said didn't take the time to research but uh they did it as a cage of survival was the singles match for the title and basically the winner of tournament of survival was getting the title shot the next night um rena yamashita wins it which i actually am going to get to see rena um in an unfortunate match coming up here in a couple weeks in paradigm pro but i'm sure that she'll be good enough to uh to pull it out and make something of it um no actually you know what the cage of survival i found it last year was just carlos Colon and john wayne murdoch and one of their many matches that under delivered as far as i'm concerned oh, rena um, yamashita versus uh Teresa gear okay all right i'm into this yeah yeah so yeah no really really solid uh tag team match segura and uh harada were in a trios match because i know that they're a tag team right they're soul meet with janela um janela i said it somewhere probably in private actually but janela like he didn't look good he didn't look like in good shape because it's janela there's nothing he can do but uh, he did look like he actually has something to prove. And I'm kind of interested to see if we get a more motivated Janela because it's been a while. Um, so, yeah, that was that was solid. Um, and then, as you mentioned there, Yamashita and, and Shigura were in the uh, the semifinals. And that was probably probably honestly the match of the night, um, I would say uh, the the three way with Yamashita Casey Kirk and Sawyer Wreck was very good for what it was. Um, like when I say what it was, it was very good, but it was, you know, a women's death match 
so it wasn't i don't know how to say it like they're all three of them are i guess my here's the problem casey kirk is not that good i don't like casey kirk that much um and the other two are great so they really delivered but she was just kind of there um I, you know why am i trying to be nice and john wayne murdoch desperado and, and tremont was um not as good as i would have hoped but it was actually really good so i would definitely recommend checking like kind of pick it you know when you see this card you know what you want to watch right and nothing is like super long nothing was terrible um and then the next night basically the only thing worth talking about was the main event they um they made it very i guess it was it was not only like uh telegraphed but it was also leaked that the main event was going to see the cash in so you get yamashita and, and slamovich and they were having a really kick-ass match uh it was basically like you know cage of death like think of like a, a cage of death kind of thing but it's a singles match um and just really beating the piss out of each other masha was game in a deathmatch setting just really phenomenal and then blake christian cashes in whatever stupid title shot he has and wins the title off of some bullshit and then just gets pelted with trash and the crowd hates him and all this and gets a bunch of heat. And, you know, I mean, if you look at GCW compared to WWE and you look at Blake Christian as GCW's Dom Mysterio, like it makes sense. It's that big of a downgrade if you understand what I'm saying. Um, so yeah, whatever. Uh, it was a good match until the finish. To me, it's a shitty way to end me, uh, Masha's title reign, but you know, whatever. I mean, you're also trying to get heat right so it is what it is sorry for wasting your time talking about gcw there quentin no you're good you're good um make me mean all the extra stuff out of the way before we spend however long talking about new japan so if you want to just wait till whatever to talk about dpw then yeah, yeah. Can, okay all right we can yeah we'll see you uh, yeah let's get to the dominion show if you uh, feel free open it up give your thoughts everything whatever i mean this is a really good show. Like, I thought this was honestly like one of the better New Japan shows I've seen in years, to be honest. Like, in terms of everything they accomplished and a sense of direction and everything, like, this is the best New Japan show I've seen in a long time. And, like, I know we're going to get into you feeling like they should have pulled the trigger on uh, Yoda Suji here, but. I, th I thought that this was a really, really, really good card, and I liked pretty much everything I saw on here. I'm not, like, head over heels about, like, some of the stuff uh, that I've seen, like, some people, like, going really crazy for, but, like, a lot of the card, pretty much all the card, I really loved and enjoyed, and it was super enjoyable and actually had, like, some booking things and future layout stuff to get invested in, which is, like, the thing that you usually, like, want from New Japan or wanted from new japan for a long time is to be able to look towards the future and get invested in that and there's some stuff like that and i just think i just think that overall this is a really 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 good card yeah i um i we're very copacetic on this i think that i think that some people were some people were buzzing off of like you said new japan is back kind of vibes and really wanting to will this into being a great show and kind of went over the top i think hearing people refer to like three or four, you know, no, trademark notebook matches on the show. I, I don't, I don't know why I, I, I don't know why, but I hate that nomenclature just because I'm like, well, don't you just put all of your ratings in the notebook? But I guess a lot of people don't do that. Um, but uh, yeah, like I don't necessarily see that, but I definitely see people were trying to justify how good the vibe of the show was and how 
snappy and and fast and fresh everything felt i think that's the real takeaway here and it is the i think it's the biggest thing to to kind of counteract the concept of like new japan booking is in the toilet gato in the mud blah 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 you know he's washed this and that it's like no man i mean gato knows how to throw a switch up at the right time and as much as everyone thought that the evil stuff was dog shit, and it was, you have to keep in mind that it was like it was a stopgap to get through the pandemic, and it was basically just let's not burn anything worthwhile, and maybe we can get something out of this. Um, and obviously, it never paid off. But now that we're really starting to come back, you can see, oh, there's something here. There's a framework being built. There is a new gener generation and a push being made. Um, you know, you mentioned the main event and the and the pull the trigger thing. We've said it enough times already. I do think that they did a pretty good job because they over telegraphed it. And so if they had delivered, I think I would have been frustrated by that, that they just kept referencing, you know, the Rainmaker surprise, the Rainmaker surprise. Are we going to see another Rainmaker surprise? And that's like, I would rather no one was saying that when it happened. Right. No one was saying, are we going to see a big upset here? Are you guys ready for another big upset like we saw before? Like, so I would have been kind of annoyed that they they've cheapened it with that. So I will say like that, that is honestly a smart part of the booking, the way that they did that. Um, but yeah, I mean, match times are down. Stuff is quick. They're, you're getting through things. You're having fresh faces. You're doing stuff new. Not everything hits. And I don't think everything is as good as a lot of people are giving it credit for. But that said, I mean, this is... This is a solid wrestling show, and basically, I can't complain about something like this. And it's one of those, to me, it's one of those, the 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 sum is better than the parts, basically. This show is better than the matches. There's, I think the two, basically, like the two eight-minute matches are neck and neck, as far as I'm concerned, for being match of the night. And then everything else is, like, solid and delivered, but, you know, those were the ones that really, really spoke to me. Which, I guess we start out with one, if you want to get into the first match here. Yeah, let's do it. We can start off. Uh, well, Osprey versus Lance, Lance Archer. Um, uh, they these have always had really good chemistry, at least for me. Like I've always enjoyed their matches together. Um, it, this I I hate to interrupt you, but you saying that just really speaks to one thing: is that the Lance Archer matchup is the most that Osprey actually feels like AJ Styles. In yes, that AJ absolutely. Styles also had great chemistry with Archer. Yeah, or even if you want to just like compare like Archer to Abyss or something. Like that as well. Yeah, like this is this is the only time in which you get Osprey at this point in his career, like genuinely kind of working as a babyface. Like, not that he doesn't like work that style or try to fulfill that role, but it actually kind of paying off or working in it coming in in it being meaningful in any sort of way is when he faces Archer and sometimes their previous stuff got a little too spotty and epic, spotty and epic for some people, which I understand. Like I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed their dynamics, so I enjoyed those matches. But this is right here as this opening the card sprint is like perfect for these guys. And I thought this was really, really well done. Osprey telling how banged up he is. It was my first time seeing Archer, seeing Archer in a bit. So it was like when you when you don't see Archer for a while, like you kind of forget that he's just Lance Archer sometimes. And you see him, he's like, oh man, these guys, this guy is like pretty good or has like had like a really good showing here. And then he continues to be Lance Archer for the rest of the year. Like, yeah. this, but this, but this was, this was really, really good though. Or I had fun, I had fun with this. And again, compared to how New Japan usually, usually open shows or historically open shows with uh, a six man tag or a tag team match or whatever, this was like structurally already we're off to a different start than usual. 
with the, with with this show, and I thought that was a really good sign of things. Yeah, no, it's exactly you know what I spoke to on the last podcast, and in general, my theory of the opening the show and New Japan never does it. They've always stuck to the old ways of, yeah, like you said, you open up with the basically the least important match, a Young Lions, you know, trios match or something like this and that, which they really don't have a lot of Young Lions who are wrestling right now. Um, I guess they have a few, but even they kind of stand out with like what's his name bull Oleg or whatever like they kind of it's kind of tough to just throw that guy into small matches he tends to stand out um so it's like a, it is a bit of a departure to say okay let's open up with a hot sprint burn the crowd's extra energy off in a way and really i mean just amplify it with how insane this was archer like you said is perfect in these roles because because he does stand out and he does some cool stuff and it, it is weird because it is just like Okay, is Archer just kind of out of time? Is it, is it, is it that he's just Lance Archer, or as I said, is he out of time? Would should Lance Archer have been, you know, from a time period where you see him wrestle, you know, every, you know, I don't know, three or four weeks? You don't necessarily see him wrestle on TV weekly. He's a guy who shows up on tours, you know, like like the old giant gaijin of the past, where they come to tours, they wrestle for six to eight weeks. You're not seeing them a ton because most people aren't watching every show. They're only seeing when they show up in their town. The crowd just goes absolutely batty for them because it's the first time that they've seen them. Maybe they've watched them on TV a bit, seen the highlights and stuff, but you're not watching everything. And and it just it fits that role perfectly. And on top of that, being like the updated version of it with able to do cool high spots and yeah, Osprey, the selling, the intensity and the post-match promo, I thought was on point and some of the best promo work I've seen from Osprey because the stuff that people really love from Osprey I never really liked, but this I thought was fantastic and just hope we get more of more of this. Um, followed up eight man tag uh, with just five guys, but it's four of them <laughs> against uh, Los Ingobernables team of basically everybody in the team that's not in a title match tonight. So Bushi, Shingo, Naito, and Teton. Um, the five guys thing. So I just feel like having the team go from just four guys to just five guys. And then the way that the commentary talks about how, you know, the ethos of the unit is the name that they're not a a faction. They're just, they're just five guys. They're not, you know, and I was thinking about it and I was like, well, that whole thing just came from the fact that this is just, you know, uh, Suzuki goon after they lost a match saying that they have to disband. They were like, Oh, well, we're not a unit anymore. We're just four guys hanging out. Right. So like that's how they're like pretending like it's okay that we didn't follow the stipulation, which is funny to think about because you've just everyone's basically just completely forgotten about that part of it. That like this unit was just named this as a way to pretend like, you know, we're not breaking a stipulation instantly after it happened. Yeah, and, and you add a sonata to it. Yeah, and you but... add in then you wait a little bit and you add in sonata and you change it to just five guys. But I really felt like they should have changed the name there to something else, and. um and really changed the vibe of the group instead of just adding Sonata to the, you know, four guys group. And now if they do change it and they stick with Sonata for a while, it'll feel like this unit just keeps changing names and it might feel a little bit shaky. You know what I mean? I mean, I really have other much to say other than just a dumb name. <laughs> it's just dumb. Sure. Like, yeah. like, I mean, there's a bunch of different other ways that they could have done that or yeah, came up with a new name once Sonata joined or something, but no, this is, out of all the things that New Japan currently has going on, this is just one that just eh, it's not not there, not really working, not not really working for me. So, no. 
Yeah, just and go back to go back to the drawing board with that one. Yeah, and it stinks because it's it's guys that I like. I mean, I like everybody in the group, including Sonata at this point to some extent, you know. Um, but yeah, but you know, obviously this match, the whole point is to set up the the drama and the rivalry between the factions going into the main event, and you just get a little bit of that, but you know, not uh not much more. You know, okay. everyone hits their spots. Seton looks great. Doki looks good. Those two are fantastic. Kanemaru is fantastic at what he does. You know, everybody's solid and serviceable, right? Yeah, you know, like, you know really what this match looks like when you think of it, so not much to say there. But I'll tell you, I did really like the next match. I really yes. enjoyed Intergalactic Jet Setters versus Cash 22. I, <laughs> I like Cash 22 a lot. It's fucking I like, crazy. I like Akira and TJP. Well, Francesco Akira. I don't like actual Akira. I like Francesco Akira <laughs> and TJP as a team a lot. And I want these teams like make this your new fucking uh, Red Dragon versus whoever, like versus Time Splitters or whoever. Like, give give me this. I want this. Like, open every pay per view. Do whatever. I don't care. Like. I think you found the perfect pairing for each other. I think you, I think you found like a really good thing here with the, with these teams. Like this should be what you keep building this uh, junior tag division around. These teams are really good. Obviously you probably have bigger plans for Francesco Akira in the future, but like, yeah, I really, really like this. I like this a lot. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. And that's why I'm kind of like really not, happy about this idea that it really does feel like they're doing something with Kushida here leading to a change. People are, you know, rumoring a, a heel turn and, and I kind of get it because he wanted to come in fresh. Um, they said he wanted to basically fresh. The report is basically Akira wanted or Akira. Uh, Kushida wanted to come into new Japan. Now refresh everything, everything different, do stuff that you haven't seen from him before. And instead they had him come in and just do the same status quo. And I get the idea that they wanted to do that to burn off, you know, the, the return factor, burn that off, get what you can out of it. The crowd is excited to see, you know, oh, it's Kushida's back. And then after that kind of runs its course, um, transition to the new heel character and do all the new stuff. And to me, I mean, that is actually really smart. And I understand why they went with it, doing it that way. Um, but when you have something hit like this and it catches you know, <laughs> you know, pun intended, catch 22, whatever, Um, like go with it. And unfortunately, like a, it does feel like they're they're continuing the wheels in motion to turn this story. And I don't know where they go. I honestly kind of hope that they don't that they don't uh, they don't switch it and they stick with it. But yeah, I mean, you've got this great dynamic with the vet and the and the young boy. And you've also got a great dynamic that they mentioned on commentary that had not really crossed my mind, which is that um Kushida and Akira were both trained by Tajiri and the dynamic between those two, that they have the similar background. Um, and you've got, you know, Kyle, you've got Kevin Knight, who's an L.A. Dojo guy, and you've got TJP, who is an L.A. Dojo guy, which they did not mention on commentary. But it is interesting to look at that, how these teams work, where they they have the same trainings and they're a vet and a, a, a student, but it's inverted and switched that way. Um, so it is unique and you could see that's why you could see like a double cross, right? You could see the LA Dojo guys team up together and then the the Tajiri guys team up together. But instead, you've got this like cross hatch and it really hits and connects and it's kind of perfect. So it is kind of like, OK, what like 
we're gonna break it up, but goddamn. The the positive, I guess, is catch two two. Obviously, they're going to continue on with this. Um, I don't know what the deal is because I saw Akira advertising himself going on his first tour of the USA coming up pretty soon. But it, I mean, obviously, when I first heard it, the logical thing is like G1's coming up, so they're not going to have a lot of junior heavyweights in Japan during G1. So that's when he's going to be in America, um, which is kind of exciting because he's going to be based out of uh, Nevada, Vegas. So hopefully I get to see him here in Southern California because he's a guy who's really gotten good. And, you know, TJP, I don't know where he lives now. He's probably... He, He's probably a Florida guy, but, you know, he's a Southern California guy born and raised and he reps the Lakers so goddamn hard. I can't imagine that he's going to, you know, move to Florida or whatever. But um, it would be cool because we could get a catch two two tag team match in Southern California if if TJP still lives here. Um, So either way, uh, yeah, match was good. This is in that conversation, you know, top three of the night for me, which is, again, speaks kind of crazy because I think everybody else has the other matches as the top matches. Post-match, Drillakilla turns, Dan Maloney turns on uh, Catch-2-2 and teams up with Coughlin. Um, I like the Coughlin-Dan Maloney tag team as the junior tag team of um, Bullet Club LA Dojo edition, as I've I've taken to referring to them. Um, Cog, or yeah, not Coughlin. Park Connors has a good history in a tag team with the C4. Um, Dan Maloney... Uh, you know, he I mean, he just came off of he was tagging with man like D race, but I don't I didn't really watch a ton of that. I don't really think of Dan Maloney as a tag team wrestler, but he fits really well with this vibe. Um, all of that works. My only issue was I, I'm kind of shocked that they had him turn and leave um, United Empire when they just lost Aussie Open. I was kind of shocked by that. What did you think about the post match? I mean, I don't really have much on the post match until later on in the show, honestly. <laughs> Okay, so you didn't you didn't see the the post match? No, I saw the post match. I'm saying I don't have any thoughts on it as a whole thing until later. Okay, on. okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, let's move on. Zack Saber Jr. versus Jeff Cobb. This is what I say maybe my number two match of the night. Am I skipping something? I don't think so. No, you, no, you um, yeah, yeah, it's just very quick. Um, I just I don't think that there's any way that these two could ever top kind of my, what I consider their top match, which is the, the rev pro title match. The first time they ever wrestled each other. Um, that match, you know, I think that match ended up on my match of the year list. Um, it's just one that I always hold in high regard that Zack Sabre jr. Rev pro title reign was just phenomenal. It had that. It also had the Shibata match. You know, there was like a ton of really good matches there. Um, it kind of ended up obviously stretching out too long, I think was kind of a, a main issue with it. He just, it felt like it was a never ending. He's always just going to have the title thing. Um, it's crazy to even think about the fact that he eventually lost it. Cause it felt like he was just going to carry it forever. Um, it does show up later in the night, which is funny. Um, but yeah, these two have phenomenal chemistry with each other, even through the history of the way that they've changed because they changed a ton and it really is glaring the way that it stands out here in comparison to that match. I mean, Cobb has really figured out who he is. Um, and it works really well. And, you know, it speaks to a lot more people as I hear more and more people really enjoy Jeff Cobb now compared to then. Um, that said, it doesn't speak to me the same, right? I still appreciate it. And I still think that Jeff Cobb is, you know, very good. But I do know that, like, this style works better for everyone else. They like the way that he wrestles a lot more than I do now, um, which is, you know, it is what it is. But when he was young and he was still figuring it out, I really enjoyed it. And and Zach... Zach, it's interesting because it's not a figuring it out thing. It's a keeping it fresh thing. And like he 
he definitely wrestles different now than he did before. Obviously, it's the time constraints and it's the kind of match that you're trying to tell, but it's it's definitely very different. He's filled out his body. He wrestles a lot more physical, a lot more aggressive, and a lot less just on the finesse, um, which is funny because he's cut down a lot of the striking and the kicking, which he was good. He's good at that stuff, but I definitely get why he cut it out, you know, because he still throws strikes and he still does, you know, stuff like that. But like he, the, the, the PK used to be a big part of his act, right? Like it would be a big setup move and it would be a big part of it. And he really doesn't throw it anymore. And, you know, part of it, you could say, okay, well, you know, he's in new Japan. So it's weird to be doing like a Shibata tribute move. Um, but it also like speaks to just kind of train changing the vibe and the, and the entire like way that he set up, he does not have, he has transition spots with strikes, but they're not really a key focus of his act anymore or, or, or of, his, of his matches anymore. Um, that said, I thought that they did a really good job with like some the, the trading back and forth. I loved uh, Cobb getting the stingray attachment and the crowd or the, the commentary calling it the, the Hawaiian clutch or whatever. I thought that was neat. And then the finish itself. I heard someone saying like, oh, I've never seen that finish before. And I'm like, I swear I've seen it before, but still really enjoyed it or, you know, some variation of it, but still thought it was really neat and a good way to come out of this match. And yeah, just absolutely thought that this was again, it's it's not the best that they can do for me personally, but I definitely understand and appreciate how it's kind of the best version of this matchup for a larger crowd. And that's, that's just kind of how wrestling works. You know, sometimes you have to accept that like I'm an insane nerd who really likes like particular stuff. And that doesn't speak to the masses, but uh, Quentin, what did you think? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I like this more than like the match they had like super duper recently, but this is still real. But this, but this is still uh, very very good. And like it's it's hard for these two, I think, to have a match that I don't enjoy or think is winds up being really good. I just love the dynamic and the chemistry bet- between these guys. And you're right, like things have changed a lot since they first encountered, but like not in ways that like would throw off or disrupt anything about like what makes their what makes their matches good is Zach is still this uh technically savvy guy and Cobb trying to figure out the best ways to attack him without get without getting caught and Zach trying to figure out ways to deal with this like big strong monster who also has his own technical background too. So I enjoy these two together. I'm happy that they that these guys are in the same G1 block. So there we're at least going to get like a like one more really good match between these guys, which Cobb probably wins, I think, and maybe sets up a fourth match between them. But I enjoy this. Maybe not my favorite thing on the show. Might not even be in my top two, but something I enjoy. I did enjoy a lot. Yeah, I can definitely agree with all of that, and uh, and I think we're you know just different shades of how much we enjoyed it, but on a similar page. Um, that uh, that said, follow this up. I God, I'm trying to remember where the G1 stuff is, but anyways, we'll get to it. Um, follow this up. Three-way for the vacant tag team titles. I don't know if they're going to unify these into one thing. It kind of, it honestly, weirdly, sadly makes sense that it's like, it took them so long to finally make the strong open weight tag team titles. Um, it felt like these belts 
were like invented and, and should have existed from the beginning just for the, you know, the West Coast Wrecking Crew because they were the tag team of New Japan Strong. They never actually got the titles. Um, it felt like it was like, oh, eventually they're going to get there and it'll be a big, you know, title run for them. Um, and then, you know, the whole thing falls apart. Strong doesn't really exist anymore. And now it's like, okay, well, we don't really need tag team titles for this brand that doesn't exist. So let's just unify the titles and we'll go from there into when we decide to maybe do something different, um, which, you know, maybe they will. But I think that they're just going to probably slowly dissolve them. Um, that said, I mean, I guess I started the last match. I, I don't know. Do you care about that, Quentin? I never asked you. I might as well ask you on the podcast. A, a lot of other podcasts like to do the like back and forth, like, you know, different people start. And then, you know, the other person closes out. Do you do you care? I mean, this is not the match to really care about it. But do you care about that? No, I don't. Um, I mean, since I'm we're doing this, I can. But like, like <laughs> I, I'm, just, I, I'm just no matter what, I'm just you're not going to get me to have like a real strong opinion on a match that has evil and Yujiro in it. Yujiro in it is just not going to happen. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just I mean, do yes. it. so like, so like I enjoy Bishamon and like. I enjoy the, I enjoy their matches, and I do enjoy Hanari and Okan. So, like, I'm enjoying that part of stuff. And for what it's worth, like, evil, like, in certain stretches for like a few seconds can be really good. Have a really good like sequence or segment that happens. So, like, it's not like I just think he's completely devoid of doing anything meaningful in the ring. But like, at this stage, it's just asking me a lot to have an opinion on anything that these <laughs> two do. So this was this was fine. I'm kind of surprised that this is rated so somewhat highly this is a 7.0 on cage match like yeah it's iconic three and a I'm, quarter I'm, from dave yeah yeah like i'm i'm really i'm really confused by that but this is it was fine i don't, I don't want anything negative to say about it this is the kind of thing that i'm talking about where it feels like people are trying to justify how much they enjoyed the show and how much they were vibing on the show to like giving higher star ratings to matches that don't deserve it but that said, my major takeaway here is like Yujiro is clearly the weakest link. I mean, you really, you know, you made that clear out of, you know, out of the six guys in the match and then the one guy outside of the match, Yujiro is the worst. You know, he's number eight out of everybody. Like, you know, it's just, or I guess number seven. I mean, fuck it. He's number eight. He's behind the referee. Um, Like, yeah, the guy is just, you know, but the positive is in this setting with House of Torture being House of Torture. And they're the only faction that really is doing all of this Gaga and all this bullshit. It's honestly acceptable. And we can talk about it in the next match. But with Bullet Club reforming into something different and not doing as much bullshit, you know, as I said, not as much bullshit, um, it does make it, you know, it makes it a really, 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 really. I want to continue and do it until it's like obnoxious to saying really, but poor version of like the Jeff Jarrett thing in AEW where it's like because it's the one Memphis match with all the hoopla it's okay it's kind of the same thing with the House of Torture and especially here because you've got a three-way tag team match and you've got evil actually wrestling at points and doing some cool stuff that like the hoopla and the bullshit is just like it's a feature of the match it shows up every now and then it's not overbearing it's not over and you get a lot of other stuff to enjoy it does make it a lot more palatable that said, we could just get rid of it. Um, Yo comes out and he's got the skateboard. He's got, as I talked about, the direct drive thing and kind of being like a, the 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 Flash Morgan Webster, which I actually saw um, 
Flash Morgan Webster and Mandrews wrestling ABC on the uh, the recent Impact uh, PLE, and it was pretty good. Um, I will say it's it's so funny to see after all the years and all the different tag team partners and all the different you know versions and stuff to see Webster and Mandrews as the tag team. You know, it's just that, eh, but I guess whatever, it makes sense. Um, either way, he's kind of got that vibe um, that I was thinking. I was like, would Yo? not kind of fit in better with TMDK. Like, you know, they have their young boy or whatever, but you've got their whole thing is that they're like Brit pop rockers. And Yo's thing is kind of similar, um, like being like mod and Brit pop kind of vibe. It's like, oh, yeah, like he would actually kind of fit in that group. But either way, we'll see where they go from there. Um, I don't think that him and Leo Rush would fit in in, uh, in TMDK, unfortunately, though. Um, I said, follow this up. Finley and uh and uh elp how about you open this one up because it's a match you actually care to talk about hopefully um there's <laughs> a lot of me here man this is like yeah yeah uh this is a, a fucking el fantasma match okay i'll say this i like david finley so i'm still interested in him figuring this out and like when he is not involved with Elf Tasmo, I feel like I have enjoyed the David Finley that I've seen. Um at least of the recent heel run. Elf Tasmo I will never get. I will never understand. I will never understand why he was popular as a heel. I'll never understand why he gets such big reactions as a babyface in Japan. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I've seen it for years. I've tried, I've watched it from being in being from being in Vancouver to watching him in England to watch. I've never understood it. I just can't, I can't get there. So as a match, it's fine, I guess. Like there's cool things that like you for like Elf and Elf and Tasmo can do that a lot of people can't do. His balance and everything is just it's good. It's it's stuff that can be like genuinely like breathtaking sometimes but other than that it's just like what well, i have to rely on watching him sell or watching his offense and things like that like i just can't get into it david finley i do think he can be good in control and stuff like that but still just i'm not into it so i mean I, as a match i can't care i just cannot get to a point to care about this but if we're talking about like the angle and the things that we get from this we get alice coglin clark connors dan maloney Gabe uh, Gabriel Kidd and like all this coming together as this new version of Bullet Club. Now that is something that I actually am interested in because for a long time it's been okay. What do we do with these guys, the LA Dojo guys, kind of figuring it out after Fredericks left and everything? It's been like okay, what do we do to figure out what to do with these guys? We saw what Clark Connors became, and it's like okay, that didn't really work out too much. Gabriel Kidd has been. Has, t- has taken time off, needed time away, came back, and he's been good whenever he's been available, but just a lot of other stuff going on with Gabriel Kidd that kept it from being a super sustained thing. Alice Coughlin, talented and good, but never turned into like an act or a push or whatever with it. I am fully behind the idea of keeping these guys all together because I think they're all good wrestlers. This is the appealing thing about this act to me, is maybe hope, maybe this does this does become a bullshit riddled thing which i'm hoping it doesn't but at the core of all this 
the guys that are here, I think are all good wrestlers. It can be serviceable in, in, in completely different ways all up and down the card. I think that I think that David Finley's been really good for a long time. I think that whatever tag team you figure out among these guys, which it seems like it's going to be Connors and Maloney, that could, that's a good junior thing. I think Coughlin could do like never or TV title stuff, and I think Gabriel K could do the same thing. I think that all these guys up and down the card could be useful and together could be good. Like I think this is a good act, and it depends on how outwardly heelish and bullshit and like. If, like, Phil is, Phil is it going to be? Because I'm not opposed to it. I'm not opposed to cheating or heel chicanery and bullshit. But when it becomes too much, becomes a little too heavy handed, then that's a problem. But based off of what is just here on a talent level, I'm in full support of this. And I really, really want this to work. I'm not saying I want this to be like the new hottest, biggest act in the company. But I look at this and I see a bunch of good wrestlers a bunch of people that could have good matches. And I think that if you do this the right way, I think this could really work. This is the most excited or interested I've been in anything Bullet Club related in a long time. I I have to agree with you, Quentin. Again, I mean, you know, I wish that we could do that thing where we have a podcast with people who argue and stuff, but like, I'm pretty much with you across the board there. I think... um ELP with the ratty, washed out, pastel pink dyed mullet is the most he's the most Canadian he's ever looked in his entire career. Um, so he had that going for him here. But otherwise, this guy does not. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid that he split from this group because this guy has never been a good, just pure baby face. Just never. It's just not what he's good at. Even we talked about it, even going back to the, you know, the indies. Um, in the eccw days like he was always kind of had an edge and was a cool heel you know that that stereotypical it's funny because you know i you know people don't know his background that much and and god i heard i've heard some egregious things recently when it comes to like people thinking like how old someone is or how long someone's been wrestling compared to other people um but like a lot of people only recently got exposed to elp and think that like they've seen most of his career and don't realize how far it goes back but he was you know his character was kind of one of the first wave of guys who were trying to do the knockoff nwo cool heel thing right and like he just kind of continued on with that um forever and then now to the point where bullet club was like theoretically you know revitalizing the idea of doing the nwo thing and he was a perfect fit for that and kicking him out to make him pure babyface doesn't work he's not a he's not a good pure babyface and i understand thinking like watching his match watching his style and the stuff that he can do as you talked about and thinking like of course this is a babyface but it's just not he's not a babyface um that said, Bullet Club LA Dojo is not, when I say that, it's not a derisive thing. I'm not talking shit. It's just, it's clear that it, it made sense. They have a bunch of LA Dojo guys who are not Japanese, who make sense to be a new version of the Bullet Club and really kind of a retro version of the Bullet Club. They, they The biggest mistake that they ever made with the Bullet Club for all of the negatives and all of the shit that I don't like and feel like it's fucked and have just said they should just get rid of it, all of that stuff. The biggest mistake that they ever made was when Yujiro joined. And not just because Yujiro is a bad wrestler, but because it was the first time 
that they had a Japanese wrestler in the Bullet Club. And that the whole point to in a lot of ways was that it was a foreign heel faction. And while this does not this is not a reset to the original Bullet Club, which, you know, obviously to me, I always thought that was the best. The original Bullet Club with Fergal and, you know, Anderson, Tama and Fale, you know, um, I guess who was the, oh, the guy they had a, a luchador and I can't remember who it was either way. Um, he was not really a main member, but, you know, they are resetting. It does feel like they're resetting to the AJ Styles Bullet Club second reference. Right. Um, and John Schuyler. God, I fucked it up. David Finley turning into the dollar store John Schuyler is not a bad thing because John Schuyler kicks ass. So, you know, David Finley kind of being leaning more into that is good for me and being more of an ass kicker and being a lot you know, tougher and thicker and and more of that kind of guy works. And this is not you know, this is perfect. David Finley has the never open weight title. It's right where it should be. You've got House of Torture has splintered off. So all of the Japanese Bullet Club members are really not affiliated. You've almost gotten so far away to the point that I don't think you think of House of Torture as being part of Bullet Club. And you've really reset to almost the point of Bullet Club from the beginning. I've heard people being a little bit off put by that things are going a little bit too far in the race baiting thing, which is it's true. They never really did that a lot before um, as openly where you could hear them saying, you know, talking shit about Japanese people and stuff like that. But it's a different time. And, you know, stuff is just a little bit more out there. So, you know, I could you could do without it. But having them be a foreign force who's here to take over and kind of but they're not the top of the card. You're not expecting the, the leader, David Finley, to be winning the, the IWGP championship anytime soon. But right here, it's perfect. Reform, reset, rebuild. And you've got, like you said, a ton of really good wrestlers and you've got a solid like you know, faction built around Finley here and we'll see where we go from there. But, uh, but that's that, I mean, you know, who knows, who knows if they try to build it up, if they force whatever, but again, at the moment, this is definitely, uh, definitely worthwhile endeavor and hopefully they, you know, make something out of it. Um, that said, I guess next match is the, uh, junior heavyweight match. I swear, I cannot remember at all where they announced all the G1 wrestlers. Do you remember where it was on the show? Uh, mm, we already passed it, probably. Yeah, no, I can't, I can't, I can't remember at all. But yeah, all right, whatever. Uh, junior heavyweight title match: Master Wato versus Hiromu. Um, where are you at with Wato? Because there's people who absolutely adore him now. There's people who think like. Uh, that it's overblown and actually he's just gotten to the point where he can be carried. I personally think that he has a ton of charisma. I love his moves. I love his spots. Um, I think that he's as good a wrestler as basically half of the wrestlers out there at this point. It's not necessarily to say that he's great, but it is to say that like, it speaks to the quality of wrestling overall um, in that like, yeah, like I, we don't get like a ton of, great storytelling amazing selling any of that but like who does like really how many wrestlers are there that we do get a ton of like great storytelling and selling like when he registers pain and sells he does a pretty good job he bumps big when he needs to he makes the stuff work but you know this matches a lot of high octane a lot of spots and it does kind of the thing i was talking about on the last episode where like moves and counters stand in for actual drama and storytelling and but it's like okay like 
sure Watto is doing that but so is every other fucking wrestler on the planet like where do you come down on this Watto Watto is good versus or Watto is good now versus Watto still sucks um I feel like I always like Watto that's the thing it's like I never really had a negative opinion on him um I thought that it was kind of weird. I always thought, like, back to, the, like, the excursion, I thought that he was pretty good in some of the stuff I saw. I didn't think that he was terrible. I thought that the people saying Watto was terrible in Mexico was like, oh, I don't really agree with that. That's okay. All right. Not sure why people think he's terrible. I don't necessarily agree. Um, going back to the pandemic and figuring, in New Japan, figuring out their way uh, through the pandemic, right, is, like, in the midst of that, Watto comes back. And Watto came in and, like, you can say that, like, he wasn't uh, great immediately when he came in. or whatever. He doesn't get a chance to do a lot. And maybe that's in part because they didn't feel like he was ready or whatever else. But this guy came back and just didn't really get to do anything. And it's kind of hard to have like really thought or figured out like, Hey, like what's the deal with Watto here? What are we going to do with him? Like who knows? It's just really, really hard to know like what exactly is the goal or plan here with this guy, because he's the only like junior that it came through at that point in time. But at the same time, like they're not like pushing him super duper heavy. Um, so Watto comes back like the summer of 2020 and like I don't I don't know like he we, we we put him in we put him into things but it's just nothing's really taking or feels like it's being made out to be super important or whatever but he just kind of exists they do the Taguchi tag team or whatever and there was some fine stuff or whatever there but nothing great and again I'm not I'm not saying this because I always thought Watto was like great or whatever I just always thought he was fine I thought that he was like I thought that the people that like treated Watto as if he was like the worst wrestler on the roster or something were just, it was kind of weird because I, I don't understand why there was so much energy for this guy that just was just kind of there at worst. He was there at worst. He wasn't bad or offensive or anything. He was just like there at, at worst. And I think that maybe he has gotten better, but ultimately this is a place of like, I think just getting an opportunity because he hasn't gotten these things. He hasn't gotten this stuff. Like, yeah, he's been in the super juniors and stuff like that, but just being realistic, like the guy just hasn't gotten a chance to do a lot of stuff. And that's okay to say, he just did not get a chance to do a lot of things. And maybe in certain spots, you could say that he didn't deliver the best, but I think it's just being totally honest and to say, what did he get to do before then? Before this year, in terms of before junior title, before, before junior tag title stuff, what did he get to do? He wasn't putting anything meaningful or important. And I think now this is just a reflection of we're going all in. And you see it in the video package, uh, going into going into Yoda Suji, right? Is you see them pushing this kind of like these new faces of of New Japan, right? Like you see Shota, you see um you see Narita, you see Yuji, you see like all these different guys. Like you're seeing these new faces, this new era of New Japan, right? And Watto came back a couple years before them, but still Watto kind of fits in here because I think ultimately Watto kind of got put on ice doing the junior title thing when it didn't matter. And now he's getting a chance here. 
I'm not saying Watto is going to be the guy that carries the junior division for however long, and he's going to be a big star or whatever else. But I think that Watto is very clearly serviceable. I think that he's clearly a good baby face, has a connection, has drama to his matches. People are into it. People are invested in him. And there's something about him, whether people can put their finger on why, doesn't really matter. He's likable. Whether you agree with it or you think it looks like a looks like a nerd or whatever, he's likable to people. It's okay. It's okay to not get something and just be like, hey, the guy's likable. So going to this match, I, I love this. I thought it was really awesome. I love this because I think this is just a ton of fun and like really, even if Rumble's limited and doesn't always have the a ton of variety to his match structures and approach to things like when Hiromu's good, when a, when a Hiromu match is good, I enjoy it. It's fun. It's action filled. And I can get with that. And I think Watto filled his role here just fine being on the other end of Hiromu just beating the shit out of him at some point and kicking out and showing his resilience and really hammering home his baby, his baby face qualities. So I thought this was really good. Still not quite my favorite match of the night. But I enjoyed this a lot. And ultimately, I come down on, I think Watto's always been solid. I think people were going way too hard on him early on. And maybe, maybe there's a little bit of, of, of overcorrection going on from some people. But I think that's in response to some people shitting way too much on Watto when he first came back to New Japan. Yeah, I think... Um... I think you spoke to a lot of the issues there, and especially to the, the pandemic of it all, um, that that a lot of people got super burnt out on pandemic wrestling and had a hard time evaluating things better because, you know, we talked about it a lot with FTR, like a a guy who is a crowd wrestler, a guy who gets the drama from the fans and the the kind of moves and and smoothness, the, the 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 people who are fetishists for everything looking like you know like it's executed as fluidly as possible, like turn on the guy because he was you know I guess clumsy, I guess a bit off here and there. That's stuff that's never really bothered me as much as other people. As long as you can, you know, make stuff look good. But there's a ton of people who like that's their thing. Like <laughs> the two biggest things that I hear people fucking praise in wrestling that drive me crazy is that like being incredibly fluid and athletic and putting in a ton of effort. Right. And th that's the things that they rate more highly than anything else in wrestling. And I don't, I never fucking understand it when like, when you do have someone like Watto here who has proven that he can get the crowd emotionally invested and they're behind him and they're popping and all the stuff you talked about there is like, to me, that's the, that's the real core of what the wrestling should be. Um, you know, me and you both kind of speak to the older souls of, of the fandom and the stuff that's kind of not talked about or not as, you know, mainstream and in the, in the public eye as much in those opinions. And we don't have, you know, who's the, who's the big person speaking for that kind of wrestling at this point, when it comes to like wrestling Twitter and, and fandom and stuff at this point, like with Phil Snyder disappearing to, to, you know, play like big money man on, on the ringer or whatever. And like J.R. Goldberg, like, is he the, is he the person who's, who's saying punches are more important than flips now? Is he the biggest guy? You know, like, it is kind of that voice is kind of disappearing. I mean, me and you, obviously, we do as much as we can, but a ton of like the mainstream, what people think of as good wrestling critique is effort and moves. And if you can do your moves and they look pretty and you put a ton of effort into the match, then you're a good wrestler. And if you don't, then you're a bad wrestler, unfortunately. And I think that 
a lot of these young guys suffer, including in this next match. I feel like there's a ton of people who refuse to like enjoy Shota because they're like, I just don't see it, you know. Oh, I, you know, whatever. He's shaky, this and that. And it's like, no, man, the crowd is getting behind this kid. And you know, you might as well just jump aboard. And the same thing with with right here with Wato. Like the crowd is getting behind him. He's now finally getting to wrestle in front of big crowds and show what he was missing this whole time. It's something that you specifically have evangelized a lot more than even I did, which is the kind of wrestlers who who need the crowd to really do something. They're not necessarily going to impress you with what they're doing. And and pandemic wrestling was really tough when you had no crowd. Um, that said, I mean, yeah, Hiromu does Hiromu here. Um, and it just it's tough to watch, if I'm perfectly honest, because Hiromu was that effort, was going 110%, was doing all of this craziness, and as he's breaking down, he's not really, you know, adding a lot to his game. I thought during the best of the Super Juniors, he was putting some stuff together, not even this last year, but maybe like the year before, or even a year before that, where he was starting to play around with submissions a little bit more and doing interesting match finishes and stuff, and you're just... It feels like he's not really interested in doing a ton of depth to his work to really put uh, to put something together to make uh, to make something out of like he's going to have to because he's going to have to slow down and he doesn't seem like he wants to. So instead, what he does is, again, the, the cheat code of of counters and moves instead of story and, and depth to what you're doing. But either way. Definitely not my favorite match of the night. Um, follow this up with the trios uh, tag team match here. This is a lot of people's match of the night. A lot of people, you know, give this five stars, nine on cage match. Absolutely crazy for this. Heard literally heard Dave compare this to like all Japan multi-man tag matches from the from the 90s. Um, I didn't necessarily see it really at all. Like, yes, there's a good amount of action, but I just I think it's over the top to go that that big for it. Um, Shooter and, and Okada were were really interesting together. I like what they're doing with Okada. I'm hoping for a big heel run. I I I talked about this you know a thousand years ago when Okada was first breaking through and that his main rival was Tanahashi when he was you know so much younger and then as time has developed he had some you know opponents that were closer to his age. But we're really getting into this time now, especially with New Japan clearly freshening up on the top, having a, a return from excursion being in the main event following this match. That Okada is now finally having to deal with young punks. Up until this point, he's never he was the top dog and he was the young punk. And now he's finally at the point where there are people in the company that are younger than him that are actually doing something. And he has to interact with them and he's not liking it. He's actually starting to see, oh, yeah, you know, those old guys had the old timers had a point like these guys are annoying. These guys do need to fucking stay out of my business. These guys do need to stop fucking with me. That stuff's really good. Um, Moxley and Ishii have really great chemistry and Okada and um, and Castagnoli were great together. Tanahashi, you know, hate to say it, but Tanahashi's Tanahashi. And this was not it's not to say that he's bad, but it is to say, like, he didn't need to do much in this match and he didn't and that's fine um you know you had okada really kind of carrying the like i said the, the interactions with shoda and with uh castagnoli bumping and working on top i mean this is a really good showing for his side of things really showing off just how great he is and it's a perfect lead-in for the match with danielson because again like okada 
people talk about him in the way that they do. People kind of overlook how great he is, but you really have this great dynamic here where on one side, he's interacting with Shota and he's being the dismissive, grumpy prick heel. On the other side, he's interacting with Castagnoli. He's bumping big. He's selling for the powerhouse monster. Like you, you in one match, he's able to switch roles. You don't really see a lot of people who can pull that off. You know what I mean? Like we talk about people who can do that show to show. We talk about people who have that that depth in general. But how many people really have that wrestling talent that they're able to pull that off in the same match? And Okada was able to do that here. Um, but yeah, Quentin, what were your thoughts on this? And and what do you think? This is a five star match. This is an all timer. <laughs> Not quite. But I understood what Dave was saying, or like why he would feel that way. Um, I think ultimately, like while the crowd is into the story. It's just not like the same like level of like heat or whatever to like really make this um something that super stands out and is gonna be something that we talk about for years or whatever. Like like even not even have to go back to like all Japan days. I'm thinking back to like the twenty sixteen like Dragon Gate class and like the generational uh conflict between those guys, you know. Fuda Nakamura, uh, Shun Watanabe, Hio Watanabe, like all that type of stuff. Uh, like it just felt special. Granted, because it's Corican, smaller crowd, do whatever, like whatever. They're going to necessarily come across hotter, come across louder, maybe. But I still think that's like a better generational, like strife story that was getting told in a match. So it's good here that like Shota's pegged to be like the next guy. And he's facing Okada here and having those two squared off and the fact that they're going to at some point cross paths in a bigger, more meaningful way. You highlight that and it's cool to get into. And I love it because I want Shota to be successful. I want these all these guys to be successful. I want New Japan to be able to find these stars and they were to move into a new, a new period and be successful here. So I'm happy that this seems to be taking not over the moon about the match the way that some people are, but this is really good and fun. To your point about Okada, he's playing the role of Jumbo here, playing the role of Jumbo who can basically still bump. I guess is the way to, is is the way to phrase it because you mentioned the Claudio stuff, and Okada is doing a really good version of the grumpy vet taking Shota out of the ring and the heat and animosity between them is really good. But then you mentioned like the Okada and Claudio chemistry. It's like man. How fun would it be if Claudio was in the G1 too? And we got to revisit that and see that later down the line. I don't know. Like you just stuff like that starts crossing your mind. But I thought this was really good. I love all the interactions here. You know, seeing Ishii and Moxley again, seeing Ishii and seeing Ishii and Claudio. Like there's stuff here to really enjoy. You're seeing like Tanahashi and Claudio interactions and all that. This it's all cool and just a really enjoyable match. So I don't love it the set the way that Dave might or some others might, but I can see what he thought there, and that is more than I can say for a lot of Dave opinions in the last few years. And <laughs> like, like I said, like this is this is fun, and I like the story. And hopefully, we'll see. Does this lead to like Wrestle Kingdom? Does this lead to King of Pro Wrestling? I don't know, but like, I really am in- interested in seeing Okada finally be in Tanahashi's shoes. And how Okada takes to it. And I think that he's still clearly great enough to do that. And I want to see how that match looks whenever it happens. Yeah, and we get the post-match. Now, this is a big one, right? We get Moxley says, 
you know, you think you're the greatest, but we train with the greatest, the undisputed greatest of all time. And we get the Danielson promo, perfect fucking promo from Danielson in the desert. That video was great. That video was great. Yeah. Saying, you know, I'm going to take you to the desert and it's not going to rain. It was like fucking perfect. Like, yeah, God damn. And that match is going to fucking absolutely rule because we've already seen what Danielson could do with MJF. <laughs> what do you think he can do with Okada? Right. I mean, this is just, I mean, Dan- I mean, he's fucking Brian Danielson. If you don't, if you don't, as Moxley said, if you don't understand that he's the undisputed greatest wrestler of all time, well, then you just, you're really just not paying attention. Um, So, yeah, this is. Arguably two all-time greats going at it. It's going to be something special. And and both of them, I mean, you could say both of them are past their prime, sure. But, I mean, they're really not far off of from it enough to where this is going to be fucking sick. Uh, yeah. you have any thoughts on the post-match? Any other thoughts about the post-match? Oh, no, the promo was great. And like we talk, talked about with, uh, the, with the Forbidden Door announcements, it's like that match could have done, like, sold a lot of tickets by itself. So... Yeah. That's as good of a top as a top two as uh as it gets legitimate dream match shit there like as dream match as it gets and those both of those guys are still great so I have no reason to think that it won't be great. Yeah, and nobody's gonna complain that we're not getting Danielson versus Saber, <laughs> right? I mean, maybe maybe someone will, but I'm not gonna. Um, I figured out where the G1 announcement was. It was after the tag title match, which I guess makes sense. Either way, main event. Um. The Gene Blast, Yoda Suji, taking on the Cold Skull. I don't even know what they call him anymore now, if he's still Cold Skull. I feel like he's not. Um, Sonata. Um, God, has he ever gone? I guess he did go to, went by, what is it? Grand Sonata, Kiyonari Sonata. He went by his full name. But for the most part, he's always just been Sonata. Um, you know, I mentioned, I've talked, we've already talked about it enough that I thought that they should have pulled the trigger here. Um, I did also mention that I thought that they hit it over the head too much that they were going to. So it would have kind of been, it would have not been great. Um, but I guess Quentin, what were, what were, what are your thoughts on, on that and on the match? Some of my thoughts on what in the match? Just basically the finish, you know, what, what do you think about Yoda Suji and, and, and the just the match itself? Just, yeah. Um, I thought this was really good, actually. And like when I think about it, I think it's my favorite match on the show. Um, I I love the way that this was laid out and done, and really impressed with Sonata here in a lot of ways because obviously the match is about Yota Suji, and I think Sonata does a really good job in making making sure that it stays that way. That like, yeah, it's gonna be noted as a successful defense for Sonata, but he doesn't do a ton to take away from the shine that that Suji gets here. He's not trying to be overly flashy or whatever. He knew when to pick his spots and comebacks and things like that. And like, when you look at that, this version of Sonata compared to like what we've gotten in the previous years where a guy that kind of, you know, my issue with Sonata, that thing I've voiced on the podcast before, is like the fact that he just was be able to be this guy who could do everything. He just could be, he could be the high flyer. He could wrestle with Zack Sabre Jr. He could go blow for blow with Ishii. Like for some reason, Sonata could just do everything. And because I didn't think he was particularly good at any of these things, it just, 
infuriating because like why the fuck does he just get to be good at everything and he just gets to be like everybody's kryptonite for some reason i just don't get it and i think that this is a better and more subdued version of him because of the story and what is needed to succeed yoda suji needs to be able to dominate and confuse and leave sonata scrambling and sonata plays that role really perfectly not looking panicked or whatever still thinking still being cool but like definitely being overwhelmed at points and yoda suji shows up to the fucking game like he's awesome here like i love everything about the presentation i love the look i love the lij pairing honestly like you know i'm not sure if there's gonna like lean to lij being more like he like heel leaning faces or whatever but these guys but this is good i like the fit i think the fit works really good and he fit and he comes across so well as part of this and he holds up his end of the deal here his 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 moves his presence his aura everything clicks for me here um it's still it's still a little weird for me uh i don't know if you have every time i just see the curb stomp i just think of rollins and it just like makes me roll my eyes so hard like so hard and it's like he's the only wrestler i feel like i equate a move to at this stage at, at this stage in my current wrestling with so much that every time i see someone do a curve stop, i'm like oh fuck like i'm some more seth rollins shit right but other than but other than that and even then like the move is still good and like the way he uses it but other than that i loved everything that was done here from suji i loved the demeanor and approach and reserved nature of sonata here i think that it worked really well and i thought that ultimately this was a really successful match i could understand wanting to do the do the thing here and just have suji suji win um and like i'll give a defense other than no one ever does that no one ever comes in and just does that other than okada i'll, I'll give something other than that i just think that if you're still planning towards the future I don't think you want to rush that, especially at the expense of Sonata, who is in his first world title run and can be a meaningful guy for you. Not that Sonata can't win the belt back, but I think that Sonata being successful here and figuring things out and like giving that more time to breathe and see if we could figure out how to make that work is really important here. You can revisit Yoda Suji. He left a good impression. Book him well over time. Do whatever. You can revisit this. Like, it, uh, he doesn't come it doesn't feel like sonata handily put him away sonata had to like bust out a lot of things to keep yoda suji down so i think that in defeat yoda suji came comes across really well which is the main thing for me here sonata still looks like a valiant champion and i think that because sonata's been so popular for the last few years since he's come to new japan sonata's been a genuinely really popular guy that the audience has really been into I think despite how good Suji looked, it'd be a little short-sighted to cut off a Sonata run to go with that when you still don't know if there's more juice left to get out of Sonata being a top star. So I think you have to ride that out, see what works here, revisit Suji another time. But I think ultimately it's the right thing to keep going with Sonata. I have to agree with you, really. Even though, like I said, I said, you know, pull the trigger on Suji. Like in a in a vacuum, it just really felt like he's ready, and it would have been super cool. It would have been a very uh, you know unique, interesting thing. He came across like a million bucks. The crowd was absolutely behind him and lost their mind for him. The storyline would have been perfect. You've got the 
the drama with uh, with the LIJ stuff, which I think would actually be interesting. Um, but that said, I mean, that's not how they do it. And everything you said there was pretty spot on, especially especially with Sonata. Um, a big part of, you know, what worked here was that Sonata, you know, showing that weakness as you talked about. It took something. And coming out of the match with Sonata's chest purple and bruised and, and actually looked like he'd been through something. I mean, that really... That really did add to it. Um, You know, maybe this is just my preference and my fanboyness or whatever, but Suji really feels like he would fit. He would fit in really well in like DDT, you know, like with someone like like Gooch, like being kind of in that same vein um, where I just think he would be really good there, especially because they're building up like a big boy division in in DDT. Like Suji would actually fit in with all of that that's going on just with with the stuff that he did here where he showed off like that athleticism on top of being like, you know, dominant and powerful and having a ton of personality. Like, you know, that sounds like that should be good for any wrestling company, but you know, there's not a lot of that in, in new Japan. There isn't a ton of like big guys who do cool stuff and have a ton of personality. Like, you know, most of the top of their card here is like Sonata, as we talked about with just like not a ton of personality like he does, you know, some big spots, but he's not that huge. He's not doesn't cut as big of a, a figure or whatever. So it just doesn't look as uh, as crazy when you see him doing the big like moonsaults and stuff like that. But um, either way, yeah, I just the match was was great. I would uh, I think I said like you know had something else in the top three, but this would probably be in the top. Would actually be like the top three, maybe number two, maybe number three depends. Like I said, it's it's a toss up and move around between the the. Osprey Archer, Saber, Cobb, and then this would be in my my conversations for the best matches of the night. Um, this would, like I said, be number two or number three. It wouldn't be my number one. Um, but yeah, that said, I mean, moving forward, you've got the youth initiative. You've got Sonata, as you talked about, like going with it. Even though he's been around for a while, he still feels insanely fresh and young, even though he's not. So it is kind of good to go with him as the the top of this with so many young wrestlers, including Suji here as the challenger, with all the bullet club we talked about um, with you know Kevin Knight, you've got something bubbling up here and you've definitely got something interesting going on. So definitely delivered as a main event, definitely the kind of match that hopefully helps build the credibility for Sonata that turns him into a, a champion that can actually draw and is not just a, flash in the pan can't sell tickets blah 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 whatever kind of guy because yeah this this level of match and the the drama of it and the output and where it comes from felt like you got sent home with something worthwhile so you know hopefully the fans the word of mouth and everything moves forward where it continues to build and and you're right like might as well stick with it because you've done this much you've spent so many years building this guy up and getting him to this level and then you finally pull the trigger you might as well try to get something out of it, right? And so now is the time time to do that. Um, do you want to move on to talking about the G one, uh, the the you know the names and the blocks? Oh yeah, we can talk about the G one blocks for a bit. Okay, if there's anything else on this show you want to talk about, or anything else moving forward for New Japan, kind of. Oh no, I'm I'm excited about how things look. Like I I I've, I like New Japan for the whole. 2010s and up until 2020 in the, in the Wrestle Kingdom that year, like I was still really into it. Things happened and they were in a fucked up spot. And now they're 
really, really trying to fit like figuring things out and getting back to and getting to a better place. And I'm happy to, and I'm happy to see that. So like, I don't know what that means. Like I'm seeing a future where they're like the best company in the world again or whatever, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see them figuring things out. Yeah, I have to agree with that. <laughs> Speaking of figuring things out, uh, they announce the G1 lineup. It's this insane long list of people. Like I said, they did it in the middle of the show, but we kind of skipped over it. It's tons and tons of names. A lot four different, of four different, four different blocks, which yeah, is a lot of debuts. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, four different blocks, and the time limit instead of thirty is now twenty minutes. So. Yeah. Uh, referencing that point you made earlier about like the matches being shorter, even the time limits to G1 this year are shorter. Um, but yeah, four different blocks. And if you want, I can start listing off the names in the, in the blocks. Oh, yeah, feel free, go for it. Okay, in the A block, there is Sonata, Chase Owens, Ikuleo, Ren Narita, Shota Yumino, Yoda Suji, Gabriel Kidd, Kaito Kiyomiya. So, off rip. You're putting Sonata through the young guy gauntlet. You know, there's Chase Owens and Hikaleo there, but like Narita, Umino, Suji, Gabe Kid, Kiyomiya, like you're running him through that little gauntlet there. Who realistically is the one that gets a win over him? I think that I think that's a I think that and that's an interesting one. Don't think it'll be Kiyomiya, even though I think you could do a Kiyomiya Sonata match, whatever. Like, but I don't think it'll be Kiyomiya. I mean, it could be depending on if it's like if this, if Sonata and Kiyomiya is like the first match on the opening night, then that could easily happen. Now that I think about it, but yeah, like who realistically here beats Sonata in anything? That's that's something that I'm curious about. But what do you think about that list of names right there? Um, yeah, I I this is an interesting block. It's got you know Owens and Hikaleo, unfortunately, but as you talked about, that's exactly it. When we talk about Sonata being the kind of weirdly the face of the the new generation taking over, even though he's not you know that young, but but uh, but feeling like the 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 face of the breath of fresh air in New Japan and going up against all the you know young New Japan people. The I mean the thing to me that stands out the most is that we just had it. We just had the title challenge here with Suji losing to Sonata. I think it's weird to then instantly announce that they're going to wrestle again here in this block. To me, that stands out the most as I I don't, I think Suji is the one who gets the win. I think Suji is the one who pins, you know, gets a win on Sonata. Um, I think I was maybe being a bit, you know, a bit caught up in the moment saying that I think Suji wins the, wins the block, um, comes out of the block, whatever. But, but I do definitely that, you know, maybe is not the case. We'll have to see where they go from here. I could definitely still see it, especially because, you end up with two people from each block moving forward to quarterfinals. So you could definitely do something there um, where he's one of the two that moves forward. But I definitely think without a doubt that you don't put him in this block after he just challenged for the title without having him be the one, you know, be one of the people who beats Sonata. Otherwise, I don't know. I mean, I would maybe say pull the trigger on an, on a Narita win, but I could definitely see them not doing that. Yumino feel would feel maybe a little bit forced to have him win, but I could definitely see them doing that. And then otherwise, I don't think anybody else. And and you said it there, Kiyomiya. I don't know. I don't know. I could see him honestly ending up with a losing record coming out of this. It it feels crazy, but I would not be shocked. 
B Block is Okada, Yoshihachi, Taichi, Kenta, Great Okan, Will Ospreay, Tangaloa, El Fantasmo. All right. First things first. We have to get LP versus Osprey match. Unfortunately, not, not looking forward to that. Not a, not 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 a thing I'm a fan of. But other than that, I do like Osprey and Ocon. Uh, wonder oh, oh, get, get, get to see the, that. Yeah, I do. That's the match yeah. that stands out the most for me for the whole block is Osprey mm-hmm. and Ocon. They've never wrestled before, and I think that they'll be really good together. Obviously, Okada and Osprey's chemistry. You don't get. We don't really got to talk about that. I'm excited to see Okada and Okan. Uh, Yoshihashi is usually fun in this stuff. Usually, usually fun in this stuff, and Taichi has been too recently. Um, yeah. So I'm there's plenty of stuff that I'm looking forward to in terms of uh these matches. Just Osprey is a really good G1 guy. He's a really good tournament guy. Like as long as he's holding up physically, like he's going to be one of the better guys in the, in the, in the tournament again. So really, uh. Just kind of like looking to see who's gonna like a race between MVP in this block here between Okada and Osprey and maybe even Okan here, and maybe seeing how they book El Fantasma. Like looking at these names, Okada, Okan, Osprey. Like does he get a big win over any of these guys here? I don't know, but I think this will probably be a pretty fun block match quality wise. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think that this is going to be probably the 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 highest floor block and might actually end up having the, the match of the tournament uh, with, as you said, the Osprey Okada, just their history. And then I'm really excited about Osprey Okan, but I'm not, I'm not going, I wouldn't put money on predicting that it's going to be great, but we could end up with a classic between Osprey and Okada there. And then every other match, I mean, realistically there is, I would say the worst wrestler in this block is ELP to my taste. And probably for everyone else, they'll say Kenta or maybe Loa. But otherwise, everybody else in here is solid enough to where you expect, you know, to get good stuff. And something like a Tai Chi and Osprey could end up over delivering and giving you some crazy, insane match. You've got Yoshihashi, who can have probably really good matches with Okada, Osprey and Okan. Um, maybe even Tai Chi as well. So you've got chances for a lot of really good matches here uh, and not a lot of garbage matches. I mean, when you really look at it, it's like ELP could maybe lay an egg with almost anybody, but also at the same time, it's like he could get carried by anybody. So you end up with, like like I said, the lowest or the highest floor out of all of the blocks is in, in, is in this one. Okay, the C block is... David Finley, Tomohiro Ishii, Evil, Tamatanga, Shingo Takagi, Aaron Hanare, Eddie Kingston, Mikey Nichols. Um, I think this is probably going to be the most consistent block in terms of match quality. I think I see this, and I think this is going to be the most consistent one, the one with the highest floor on a regular basis. I mean, just between Finley, Ishii, Shingo, Kingston, you get you have a lot there, and Hanari's Hanari can be can be solid here. Tonga is he, he he can be he can be brought to a good match and so can evil depending on how much they want to do. Uh Mikey is probably the worst. Mm, is Mikey worse than evil now? I don't know. This is tough. I mean, I I, I want to see how Mikey does here, but it's not like Mikey Nichols ever has ever been has ever been great. Uh but I think in terms of like highest floor, like you were mentioning the highest ceiling in the B block, I think this is the highest floor for stuff. 
Yeah, I, I honestly was saying that I thought B Block had the highest floor, and I think part of that is is looking at Evil and Finley, um, Nichols, I'm kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know, Tamatanga, I don't know, you know, so I kind of look at it like there's some shakiness there, but Finley is better than probably I'm giving him credit for. Evil can turn it up here. This is kind of like, I think, the last... Uh, the last G1 you had, like the monster block. This is kind of the pseudo monster block. This is maybe the hard hitter block. Um, so that's the perfect setting for Kingston because honestly, there's not, I don't think there's a single person in this block that I don't expect something out of Kingston. I think Kingston can get something out of anybody here because it's the perfect guys. It's the bruisers, it's the brawlers, and it's the people that he can sell for, make the stuff look great and really get the crowd invested in everything he does. Um, so there's that plus Hanare. Hanare Shingo had a phenomenal match already earlier in the year. Hanare Ishii, Shingo Ishii. You know, there is there is stuff here. There is some solid stuff, but uh, I don't know if we end up with anything that really stands out super flashy. So so you could definitely be right there. You could definitely be right that this ends up being the highest floor. Um, to my to my expectation, I still would say I think it's the B block, but I could see where you're coming from with this one here. Um, that you've got a lot of guys who just know how to go out there and, and wrestle and they're just going to have hard hitting, you know, solid serviceable matches, giving those proverbial per, per, three boys across the board. And this is probably the block where you end up with, yeah, with a lot of those. So you're probably right there. In the D block is Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tatsuya Naito, Hiroki Goto, Zack Sabre Jr., Yano, Jeff Cobb, Shane Haste, Alice Coughlin. Not the most flashy or exciting on paper, but like pairings that we know can be really good. We've seen Naito and Tanahashi be really good. We've seen Tanahashi and Zack be good. We've seen Naito and Zack be good. Zack and Yano, Zack and Cobb. Uh, so there's definitely stuff here that works, even like Zack and, uh, and Goto works here too. So I think there's a lot of good combinations here. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like this is going to be one of our things. This going to give you like the boring block because of like some of the names. And I think whatever Goto's in always gives you as a boring block. I think it's just right. hard to have like it, maybe it's just like the way they use him or the, what they put him in. But Goto always seems like he's winds up in like the most boring block of any tournament. And I think I look at this here, and it might not be the most exciting on paper, but I think this could be a sleeper for like one of the better. Uh, blocks or like a producer for like really good for really good stuff here yeah i mean this might be the most um how do i put it evenly distributed block when you really look at it you've got you've got four kind of not to say bad but four maybe older used to be great not as good as they used to be and also just like yano um, not, you know, trying as hard, but consistent and can deliver when they need to. You've got, you know, Tanahashi and Naito, which it's it's tough because it's that thing where it's like, especially Tanahashi, you don't ever want to bet against Tanahashi because he never really under delivers. But you're always kind of, you know, biting your 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 nails, expecting is this going to be the year where the, you know, the wheels just completely come off the wagon because uh, you know, he, he's getting older. It's harder for him to move, all that stuff. But you got that. You got Naito. It's kind of the same thing. It's like, oh, what could happen? Goto is a little bit different, in, as you talked about, being boring, but but consistent. And and there is no misstep with Goto. He's he's really just as good as he's ever been. Um, it's just maybe lost a little bit of the steam that he was, was there 
even if, you know, a lot of people don't <laughs> kind of say there wasn't much there to begin with. And then you've got the bottom four um, who are all just incredibly solid and will expect a good match out of every match that they have with Saber, Haste, Cobb and Coughlin. I mean, those four guys are about as good as you get right now. Um, and, you know, Coughlin, probably the weakest of the four when it comes to consistency, just because he's young and you don't have a wide base of, of examples of him being able to pull stuff off. But at the same time, I mean, incredibly watchable, incredibly exciting, really interesting. Cobb and Saber, obviously, like we talked about their match here on this show, but just in general about flawless, you don't really get bad matches from either of them in haste. I don't think people remember how good haste really is and saber and haste. I think will be a match. That's really going to open up some eyes because these guys have had really, really great chemistry with each other in the past. And to bring that back here, I think people are going to see, Oh, Oh yeah. Shane haste is actually really fucking good. And this is going to be a chance for people to be reminded and see just how good he is. Yeah. I think, I think haste is another one too. We're like, I've always liked haste and it's been so long since haste has been in anything meaningful that like maybe forget people that people forget that he is good. He also just could be past uh, way past his peak and just not have any more. So I don't know. I'm really interested. I really am interested to see what I, what we get from Nichols and haste here. Cause I would like them to do well, but that's the blocks. I'm not going as far to like predict, uh, a winner or who comes out of where like i'm not doing all that but i think the tournament is fun i'm excited to see eddie kingston i'm excited to see like how things wind up going and like if they can continue this momentum like i think that from best of super juniors to dominion i think this has been a really good wave of positive momentum for new japan and i would like them to keep capitalizing and i would like the product to continue to be good so i'm hoping for a good tournament I'm, I'm I'm hopeful with the fact that the matches are potentially going shorter because of the shorter because of the uh, shorter time limits now. But I I'm excited for the tournament, and I think that based off how good uh, Best of Super Juniors was, I think that we're in for a good G1 this year. Yeah. Have you? <laughs> I'm like I'll expose that I haven't. I was like just thought about it. I was like it'd be cool if Haste brought back the nunchucks, but I don't think he. Uh, I don't think he has. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the, the G1. We You talked about it. The best of the Super Juniors really delivered um, and felt kind of like a breath of, I was going to say a breath of fresh air, but kind of almost hearkening back to the, the peaks of when New Japan was really good. And, and it seems like we're on path to maybe get something like that again here with the G1, hopefully, um, especially with shorter match times, four blocks, everything that you already mentioned. Um, it's a good chance that we can end up with a, with a lot of worthwhile stuff here. The I guess the biggest issue just being the sheer amount of matches and that things are going to start to bleed together, like what we talked about with the best of the super juniors, but we'll see where we end up. I think that's it for uh the yes. Japan section of things. Like I said, I mentioned I don't really I didn't really get to see all of uh that's fine. The, D- the DPW show or whatever. So I don't know if you like had any like any thoughts or anything you wanted to add on that before no, we were No, uh, I mean they're doing they're kind of doing a good job with the storyline with the work horsemen and violence is forever really building around them being the the two best tag teams in the world which is probably true um and just the the rivalry between them not wrestling each other but wrestling on the cards that was really good um 
Nicole Matthews showed up and she wrestled Jada Stone, who we had both mentioned, thinking that we saw something there and she had a really great match with her. Brian Keith continues to be just the most consistent wrestler on the U.S. Indies in proving that he can even have solid match with Kevin Blackwood. And uh, and the main event was a match that they've been building for for a long time in DPW. But, you, you know, if you don't necessarily pay attention, you wouldn't necessarily think anything of it. But uh, Tankman and Bojack and it was kind of like building up and blowing off the 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 subtle rivalry between the two that they've been building in the background since the beginning of the company and then and then really feeling like the post match was setting up for something new doing something new with Bojack maybe a, a a change of the character maybe a change of something but really feeling like you know the post match was about we're going to get something different out of Bojack because he's been Kind of, he was the standard bearer. He was the top of the company. He was the first champion. Blah blah blah. And then now, what do you do with him now that he's not at that level anymore? Well, moving forward, it seems like they're going to do something to freshen him up, and that's going to be interesting to see because that tends to be the biggest weakness with bookers. And we've talked about on here in the past and in general that DPW is really one of the better booked companies in wrestling right now, and it's what makes it look so good and makes it come across so well. Well, a lot of companies have a hard time. What do you do with the dominant champion? What do you do with the first champion? What do you do with the guy who drops the belt moving forward? Um, we'll see what they do with, with their first chance to to actually show that they're able to develop a character beyond just being a dominant champion and doing something next. So we'll see what they do with Bojack here. Uh, did you have a favorite match from the from the card? Or eh, not, re- not really. Uh... Probably War Horseman versus Miracle Generation, as I talked about with the kind of building off of that be- between those two teams. It was honestly, Violence is Forever and MSP was really good, but it was a lot more of a fireworks show, whereas the War Horse or the Work Horseman and Miracle Generation had a lot more story to it. And that would definitely be the one I would recommend people go out of their way to check out as well. Uh, we didn't get to talk about it here, but the All Together show happened. Neither of us got the get to see it so hence why no you didn't hear was mention it or whatever during the show so i don't know maybe by the time we come back and review whatever we're reviewing next week maybe you might get like a little cliff notes version of that but we know how those shows go they're fun but not a super a ton of super meaningful stuff there but otherwise you can follow me on twitter at qt underscore moody you can follow tim at our witch dutch you can follow the podcast network at wdkwpn you're feeling as so kind so you could donate to us on coffee and i don't know like get my cat a new thing to climb onto he has his own like little cat tree thing but he's decided that that's not good enough and he's in the window above my recording desk i don't know why he's never done that but he just decided to be there all day i know cats love windows and high places but he decided that my recording window is where he likes to lay now so if you want to get him a new place to chill at that'd be great that's it for us thank you all for listening i hope you're here next time i think she's from for author i fly her out to florida with much respect i paid the check because she's somebody's daughter don't ask me what i bought her you'll see it when she parks it don't ask me what i bought her you'll hear it when it's barking she know that i'm a player i know she don't be playing when you decide to play the game just grab me by my hand Go shopping, Luger. I'm dropping, winner. Get sponsored, Luger. I'm swapping, winner. Get ice out, get bye bye now, winner. Get 
flight out. Gets no fight mouse. Rock, paper, strippers. Rock, paper, strippers. Rock, paper, strippers. Rock, paper, strippers. She flew across the water With due respect, I have a check She says when I make offers Don't ask me what I bought her You'll see it on the carpet Don't ask me who I'm wearing you smell it when I spark it She know that I'm a player I know that she don't play that When you decide to play the game Just grab my hand and say that Winner, go shopping Loser, I'm dropping Winner, get sponsored Loser, I'm swapping Dropping. Winner. Get sponsored. Loser. I'm swapping. Winner. Get ice out. Get fight right now. Winner. Get fly out. Get no fight mouth.